And also, um, what I wanted to point out, uh, which I completely forgot now. <laughs> Remember, remember, it's Friday, November 5th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, master student in civil engineering and discounted face mask buyer. And with me today is Gordon Derek, contributing editor at Dutch News and Virus Walrus. So, uh, yeah, Gordon, we talked about this walrus sleeping on top of a walrus-class submarine yeah. uh, last week. Yeah. Uh, any updates on that? <laughs> Yeah, Freya the walrus, who, as you say, has been travelling in walrus class around the Dutch coast for the last couple of months uh, and has now hitched a lift on a walrus class submarine and uh, has a, has attracted the attention of the international media. So there's been reports of Freya's uh, um, exploits in the New York Times, I believe, The Guardian, uh, yeah, um, the, the, Daily the Daily Mail, Mail as well. Yeah, yeah. various, uh, yeah, all, all the top international news outlets, really. <laughs> um, I'm just waiting for Hello Magazine, if that's still going. I don't think it is. National yeah, exactly. Yeah, to, to do an exclusive interview. Yeah, well, one, one of these, you know, one of these uh, um, uh, dental surgery uh, glosses to do, like a, an interview with a Freya the Walrus, and in, uh, in, in, uh, invites you into her lovely home on board HMS <laughs> Dolphin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the, the funny thing is, this this walrus hasn't moved. Yeah. Uh, a finger. Right, it's yeah, been the there for yeah, the, more yeah, than this a week now. It's become big news just at the moment when Freya's tour has kind of stopped and come to a rest because she's decided she quite likes it on board the submarine. Yeah. So she's just going to continue lying there basking on top of uh, yeah, on top of the glass. I have to say, if I went all around, way around the Dutch coast, I'm not sure that Den Helder would be the place <laughs> where I stopped for longest. But uh, no, no, Freya's no. obviously got a different taste for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And isn't there... Uh, so I was thinking, there is this... this penguin in this uh, Scottish division, I believe, yes. that's made a colonel. There, um, there is a penguin at uh, Edinburgh Zoo. You know, let me get this right, because otherwise we, we will get people people calling in. <laughs> More fake news, yeah. Yeah. There is indeed uh, a penguin, um, uh, yes, uh, uh, a king penguin called Niels Olaf, who is named after the the, the then king of Norway, uh, king, king Olaf, in 1972. When he's first adopted, and uh, yes, indeed, he he has been given the rank of uh, major, I believe, in the in, in the British Army. Yeah, he's, he's actually risen up. Uh, he's, he's also been he also he's also had a knighthood. He's called Sir Niels Olaf. Uh, he <laughs> really? resides with the colony on Penguins Rock in Edinburgh Zoo. It's the largest outdoor penguin pool in Europe. Um, I'm just reading this off Edinburgh Zoo's <laughs> website. I didn't, yeah. didn't have this information in my head. You, you sound like a Salisbury <laughs> Russian spy, indeed. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, but it's true. He has he has been given um, a military rank. So every now and then, then there's a story that he gets promoted. Um, so I think he's a major ah. at the moment, but if if I'm if I'm wrong, then people in Edinburgh, please, I'm sure, will uh, email in their droves to correct me. Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking we have this penguin in the uh, British Armed Forces uh, with a rank. Perhaps we should give Freya the Walrus the uh, vacant highest rank of the Dutch Navy. Right. Uh, I believe it's Admiral of the Fleet. That's that's been um, uh-huh. um, it's been vacant for many decades now. So yeah. we need a new admiral, right? So why don't we give that rank to this uh, to this Walrus, and then we also immediately have sorted the gender imbalance in. Uh, yeah. the navy because you know then we have 
um, a female uh, with the highest rank. So uh, straight to uh, the top. So female yeah. as the head of the navy. Yeah. Yeah. So we kill uh, two birds uh, with one stone, I believe, with that. So that's yes. my proposal, and I think we should definitely do that. I would uh, endorse that fully. That's a great idea. Speaking uh, of so not so great ideas. Yes, speaking of not so great ideas, uh, Paul, uh, how many face masks have you bought uh, at this uh, bargain discount rate from the <laughs> Netherlands' um, uh, preeminent face mask procurer? Um, yeah, Sievert van Linden, he's yes. back again. Uh, he's back in the news because the face masks are back. Yeah, when, yeah when exactly. face masks, there must be a Sievert-related op Exactly. Yeah, he is the uh, he's the face mask herpes of the Netherlands. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, it was literally a year ago when we had this very this enormous shortage of face masks in uh, in hospitals and in healthcare yeah. uh, among healthcare workers. And there was this Twitter persona, uh, Sieward van Linden, who uh, I was thinking about that. Why is he famous? I don't really know, except that he has opinions. That's basically his was his core business, right? Having it opinions on much. topics. Yeah, he had, he had opinion, lots of opinions about uh, the the CDR and yeah and and, and look what the other, and look where it's got them yeah <laughs> down to about just six seats in the opinion polls yeah mm-hmm. um, so he uh, sort of started this campaign on Twitter um, 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 he decided to arrange this an enormous amount of uh, of face masks for healthcare workers uh, which he famously said he was doing for for nothing uh, he was going to do it for free um, but uh, it turned out that he actually um, earned 9 million euros of tax money with it. Uh, everybody hates him, basically, on the internet yeah. now because of this, he, right? He's, because he's, a bo- he's a boogeyman, isn't he? He's a, yeah, he's a, he's, he really is a boogeyman because he promised yeah. to do it for nothing and he, he yeah. sort of uh, presented himself as this uh, uh, great Samaritan and uh, yeah. uh, in the end he, he turned out to have earned millions of monies, uh, uh, millions of euros from it. So, yeah. um, But the, the funny thing is, so everybody thought he's, you know, he has his money, we're probably never going to see it back. Um, he is basically go, went into hiding, you know, live his life with his nine million euros. Yeah. But um, um, as we will hear later, um, uh, new face mask requirements are uh, announced and put in place, and that means that we need more face masks. And uh, a day after the press conference on 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 uh, Tuesday, so on Wednesday, he um, sent an email to everyone who ever applied for his uh, stichting for his charity <laughs> uh, that he is now offering the face mask with a ten percent discount because uh, the face masks are coming he's, back. So yeah, he, he's such a selfless soul, isn't he? I mean, yeah. uh, not only has he already got uh, trousered nine million from the health ministry for procuring these face masks that no one's ever worn, he's now offering to sell them, to which were by discount. the way also a very bad quality. Yes, yeah, and and weren't properly stored as well. The other allegation, uh, yeah, m- must stress that these are uh, see if it uh, d- d- disputes all of these things, but uh, yes, uh, so a lot yeah. of question marks. So, um, yeah, there was a little, uh, little mini opeth on uh, on Twitter and a lot of yeah. cynical uh, headlines we have seen in the media, so that was very fun, yes. But uh, the opeth of the week is not see if it funded or no, it's uh, it's another face uh, that we thought we'd forgotten. <laughs> yeah, see, exactly. Yeah. Seen the back of. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It comes from someone we, yeah, we all hoped would never hear of uh, again. But unfortunately, he keeps also keeps coming back. It's the, uh, it's uh, yeah, uh, uh, also a form of herpes, I think. Hank <laughs> uh, Kroll announced uh, he quit his much talked about bed and breakfast following several incidents with badly behaving guests. Just a reminder, Hank 
Pol entered Dutch politics in 2012 as the leader of 50 Plus, uh, a party that advocates for uh, pensioners' interests. Yes. And he temporarily resigned after he was accused of having withheld pension money from his employees between 2004 and 2007. Mm. He returned to The Hague after an endless stream of internal conflicts in the party. Imagine things are going so bad in your yeah. one-issue pensioners' party <laughs> that you uh, ask uh, someone who refuses to pay pensions uh, for his yes. employees back <laughs> to lead it. So, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, another great irony. Um, yes. So he returned to The Hague. Um, and uh, a couple of years later, he, st- he started a new party called the Partij for the Future, yeah. the Party for the Future, uh, with Forum for Democracy founder Henk Otter and former Animal Rights Party MP Femke Merel van Koten Arissen. Yeah, so a really stellar lineup of a very, a, a very stable geniuses. Yeah, (laughs) indeed, this uh, improbable combination naturally didn't last long. And Kroll again founded a new party bearing his name, Leistheim Kroll. But yeah, uh, yeah, in the election, he didn't manage to win any uh, seats. Um, So uh, yeah, probably because most of his voters kept forgetting (laughs) which party he was leading. Uh, And following his departure from politics, Kroll announced he was going to start a bed and breakfast in the forest around Eindhoven. But uh, recently, several incidents with badly behaved guests made him decide to leave the project um, but it was actually highly speculated that a financial conflict with his business partner was the real reason so yeah mm. another failed project by Hank Kohl everything yeah. he touches fails he's like the reversed he has the reversed Midas, Midas touch, touch I think yeah uh, and it was yeah. also an accusation that uh, one of the guests was uh, sexually harassed in uh, in in the bed and breakfast. Uh, oh, and in the Telegraph interview uh, where he explained why he left, uh, he said that he was more concerned with his image and the image of the company than with yeah. uh, her well-being. So, yeah, that was also a very um, yes, uh, characteristic. Really very, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Hank Cole, um, he's finally, prob- yeah, now he doesn't even have a bed and breakfast. Probably we're never going to hear from him again hopefully probably not well we, we think we won't but uh, you know, he's got an uncanny habit of uh, turning up somewhere and then exactly. leaving, leaving a big mess six months later with uh, lots of uh, questions about the financial situation yeah yeah I mean you all thought that he owned the bed and breakfast right and it turned out that wasn't actually the case he just uh, attached his name to the bed and breakfast and right. um, um, so he uh, had a financial arrangement with his business partner but that uh, turned out to cost too much money for him so he yeah. re- made a, made a, made another made another arrangement uh, and then he stepped out so yeah he uh, made sure that his uh, uh, business partner um, you know had yeah. all the financial burdens and yeah. then he uh, quit the project uh, basically um, uh, 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 throwing uh, the unique selling point of this bed and breakfast that yeah. is his name was attached to it calls, yeah. to the trash can and uh, yeah so um, th- another typical typically Hank Krollish uh, yeah. move I think so once again he's made, he's made a big mess with uh, other people's money exactly yeah <laughs> Hugo de Jonge and Mark Rutte once again turned the country in an authoritarian dictatorship this week following an explosing rise in corona infections. By a stroke of total irony, the Netherlands needs to implement some major reforms before it can qualify for the billions of euros from the EU recovery fund. Uh, I hear somewhere very loudly from Rome and from uh, from Madrid uh, and from yes. Athens, I hear some laughing coming uh, in our direction. Yeah. Um, there are some major concerns about the rising inflation. Amsterdam tries to tackle the housing crisis by demanding you have to live in a house when you actually buy it and there's some sports news and in the near future you can take a boat to Norway you've got a much better chance of uh, not catching coronavirus 
<laughs> in Norway or on that boat? In, in Norway. Well, hmm. yeah, but, but boats have been a bit uh, hotbeds of the virus, haven't they, in the course of this pandemic? So. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all these cruise ships that have been floating, uh, floating yeah. on, on, they, they, on, on the Atlantic Ocean for, dock for about a year because everyone on board is infected. <laughs> Just drifting around the seas. Imagine, imagine not being allowed to, to you know, stepping on a boat and not, not, yeah. not leaving it. I mean, that's the whole business model of a cruise ship. But still, yes. it, uh, it sounds <laughs> yeah, like for, a, yeah, but for like six months is a bit much, you know. Yeah. So expecting to get off in six in a couple of weeks. At some point, yeah. Yeah. Our top story this week is indeed the return of coronavirus. Not that it ever went away, but that's what you might have thought when the government abolished social distancing six weeks ago and penciled in November the 1st as Freedom Day. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> November the 1st, they're going to abolish all of the coronavirus restrictions exactly, they haven't yeah. got rid of already. But the virus has had uh, other ideas. Since September the 25th, the average number of cases has climbed from around 1,600 a day to break the 10,000 mark on Thursday. There are over 1,300 patients in hospital, that's almost three times as many, and 273 in intensive care. Ernst Kaupers, the head of the National Acute Care Network, said he expects the number of hospital patients to rise to 2,000 this month and intensive care patients to hit 500. In earlier forecasts, we weren't due to reach those numbers until January. Yeah, but but everything's okay because the government is planning new restrictions, right? Yes, uh, very tough new restrictions that should really drink, <laughs> the, drive the, the numbers down very fast indeed. Marco and Hijo de Jonge are staking the country's health on the Corona checkup. Uh, that's the Corona checkup that nobody's actually enforcing and that uh, seems to be leaking like a sieve. Yeah. So the basic idea is that if infections are going up because restaurants, bars and sports stadiums are failing to check people's QR codes, we can fix the problem by asking museums, gyms and swimming pools to ignore them as well. Originally, Mark Rutte and Hugo de Jonge wanted to extend the scheme to amateur sports clubs, but Parliament not that idea back. The hospitality sector is uns- uh, sorry. The hospitality sector is upset that QR codes will be required to sit on a cafe terrace in November, while gyms and swimming pools say they're worried about losing customers. Meanwhile, at the Amsterdam dance event, one of the rare occasions when the QR codes were enforced, a thousand people were infected in just four days, according to the KKD. So an absolutely watertight system. Yeah, even though um, that's only um, uh, that estimation is based on the people who actually took a test, and uh, a lot of them yeah. haven't uh, even tested, so we don't even yeah. know if this is uh, really the actual number. Yeah, that's people who took a test after the event, right? So, yeah. so you yeah. need to have a test to go in. You have to test them all or will be vaccinated. But then, yeah. as you say, uh, people, some people tested, not all the people who went tested after they uh, went to the event, and uh, a thousand of them out of uh, three hundred thousand. Uh, tested positive. Doesn't sound yeah, like probably, a big number. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, uh, probably only the people with uh, mild infections or, or uh, with mild symptoms have tested, and the people who didn't yeah. have anything didn't. But you know that doesn't mean that you're not infected, of course. No, indeed. And just to have that uh, number just in the space of four days, which is, you know, works out at um, it's if you think that the the, the uh, around the country. Uh, you have about now about 350 in every 100,000 people in a week test positive. Well, that was the same number just in four days. And of course, out of people who were supposed not to have the virus because they'd either tested yeah. negative or been vaccinated. Yeah. They're all so, uh, yeah. So it's it's not yeah. So th- this whole QR testing code doesn't look great. And of course, people are saying maybe we can fix it by having like what's called a 2G system. Um, where uh, you, you where you, you can't um, get into a venue by testing negative, you have to be vaccinated or recovered from coronavirus. But uh, that's the system they have in Germany. And uh, yesterday, Germany had its highest ever number of case coronavirus positive tests in a single day. 
Yeah, so also not a uh, watertight system. Um, also not a watertight system, yeah. No, I don't think we... Yeah, the, the only watertight system we have is uh, a total uh, lockdown, of course. But yeah, that's yeah. also not very desirable. Um, no. So, um, yeah, it's... Um, uh, the, 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 the 2G system is, until now, uh, it was opposed by many uh, political parties. I believe only D66 is the party that is leading towards it. And perhaps yeah. maybe in some circumstances find it an acceptable solution. But, um, yeah, most parties... Uh, 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 most party very much oppose it so yeah it's uh, um, we're gonna have to wait and see if that is uh, really implemented in the Netherlands yeah what's what's also um, uh, uh, it was announced in the press conference on Tuesday uh, the press conference uh, of Mark Rutte and Hugo de Jonge the health minister uh, they um, said announced that you were going to need a um, QR access code if you if you uh, went to an outdoor sports venue yes. uh, whether you were uh, you know an athlete or someone who was uh, standing on the side. And a lot of people found it very um, uh, bizarre that you needed that because, you know, infections outside are, uh, are very low, uh, yes. are always very low. Um, but don't we think that uh, this is sort of the strategy of the cabinet, you know, uh, announcing yeah. part, partly ridiculous uh, um, uh, measures and then uh, ha- uh, uh, the debate is, is then held the next day and uh, parties complain about that and then that aspect is really first i mean that's uh, yeah they water it down yeah. they water it down and that's the that's the, probably the whole strategy by the cabinet i think and yeah um uh, it also distracts from the real questions we're going to need to ask what is the balance that we're going to that that we want between you know on the one hand restricting freedoms of people and on the other hand um taking uh, uh, public health into account there we need a balance between those two um, but we're not uh, having this debate on uh, on this fundamental issue in Parliament. Instead, we are uh, talking about um, you know having a QR code if you are, are a soccer player or not. Yeah, and it's a, and, and um, they propose these measures, and then Parliament is obviously going to water some of them down, take some of them out, which is fine. That's democracy. But they're starting from a very modest, you know, quite quite limited package of measures anyway. At a time when the infections have been going up by around about forty percent a week. And similarly, the hospital measures have been going up by the, the same kind of, um, you know, the number of patients in hospital have been going up by, again, by 35, 40% over a week. So they need to do something think, more drastic than just uh, bringing in QR codes in more venues that aren't actually willing or you know, to enforce them and that can't be policed anyway by the by the civic leaders. And what Ritter has said at the press conference is that uh, if these... Um, this doesn't drive the infections down in the course of a week um, until next Friday is uh, is the next time they're going to look at the situation again. Then they'll have to bring in more drastic measures, but they haven't really said what those are going to be, what they might be, what what are reasonable measures to take at this stage of a pandemic when you have quite high vaccination. Actually, I mean, the vaccination rate is pretty high in the Netherlands compared to other countries, even though um, but all the same, you see that there is still a very high number of infections. There is still a looming, very hard winter for the, the healthcare sector and that means not just lots of people in hospital with coronavirus but also people who need treatment for other things like heart operations like cancer treatment can't get it because the hospitals are full up with corona patients you know I think just having more QR checks and things like um, you know the other rules we'll discuss in a minute like the face masks um, is, is, is not going to cut the mustard really and we'll I think uh, as, as I as I said last week, I think we're going to come back next Friday and they will have to um, enforce stronger, yeah. less desirable rules because they haven't acted fast enough, is the bottom yeah. line. 
Yeah, and um, yeah, that's also because the cabinet is acting on uh, number of people on in the intensive care units and yeah. not on the uh, number of infections, which is of course you know you have an, a delay effect, right? You have a, l- yeah. a large number of infections, and two weeks later you have large people, a, a large number of people in hospital. But if you act on the infections when the, this number is is rising, then you uh, uh, are not waiting two weeks and having this this two weeks of, of people getting more and more people getting infected with more people in hospital uh, yeah. which require uh, uh, stricter um, uh, uh, measures um, so yeah it's also uh, it, it, I, th- I believe it was the uh, KPMG report that wrote about that right two weeks yes. ago or something so that was yeah. also one of their major points um, so yeah it's so it's it, we, we are not learning um, uh, from the lessons that we right. Uh, yeah, that are so clear, I think. Yeah, and, 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 and as you said, uh, I, I think it, also one of the major uh, complaints also in Parliament is that we do not have uh, a, a clear perspective. You know, um, um, if we see this number of infections, we yeah. need this measure. If, if if they have drawn up a, a, a nice table, you know, we, it, Margrethe has talked about roadmaps for so long, but we we had so many roadmaps that we don't have a roadmap, right? Every time yes. it changes. So yeah, yeah we, we I, I fear uh, that we are going to have to live with the virus uh, for a very long time, um, uh, uh, and that means that we need perspective. Uh, we uh, if this happens, then we're going to do this, and uh, 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 the cabinet had so long to to. Um, to you know, draw up a, a clear roadmap, uh, and they haven't done it. And this is yeah. every time uh, uh, something happens, we have this press conference, and nobody knows it's going to happen. And then they just come up with a a, a incomprehensible set of measures that's uh, probably not going to do anything. And uh, yeah, it's um, uh, a major complaint also by, f- for example, Case van der Stey, uh, who uh, uh, ironically yeah. is is also complaining that uh, the government is taking away freedom and yes. is talking about, uh, you know, the integrity of the human body and uh, yeah. that people should uh, be able to decide for themselves what they do with their body and not. And uh, yeah, it's yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, another great irony, I think. Uh, yeah. Orthodox Christian party that um, you know um, 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 uh, 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 in their ideal world uh, uh, yeah. uh, they decide what people can do with their body or not. So yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I liked a case from the study that's saying this week that uh, yeah, the, the, what is freedom if uh, you just have to do what the government tells you? <laughs> when the whole ethos of the SKP is everyone should submit to God's will. So. But not even what the government yeah. tells you, but what's uh, what's prescribed in a in an old book of uh, what's prescribed in the Bible. I, so, I do yeah. have to say that the SGP, uh, in their philosophy, they always say that uh, you know every authority is um, uh, 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 comes from God. Uh, so yeah. uh, if the government or if you know we have a, a system here in the Netherlands, and that's also the will of God, because otherwise it wouldn't have happened. And they always, yeah. whenever something is decided, they uh, opposes it but they accept it and I do have to say that with this QR system and with uh, 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 you see a slight change of of, uh, of opinion in this that they yeah. are really um, 
opposing it, actively opposing it, almost fighting it. Yeah. And usually <laughs> they just uh, accept it as the way it is. So Unfortunately, hasn't got through to the preachers in Irk yet that um, vaccination is the will of God. Yeah. And that yeah, God yeah. has given us the We have a solution here. It's, it's yes. been the, it's, God yes. gives us a solution. That's the vaccination. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. If only they realized that. Only, yes. All you have to do is use the skills and the knowledge that God gave us to develop yeah. uh, to develop uh, you know, vaccines that will protect us from disease, and uh, <laughs> we will be saved. But uh, anyway. they probably have a very extensive theological um, uh, argument Counter against argu- this uh, sure do, line of I reasoning. Would, I would really love to hear it. I, I don't. But no. <laughs> um, going back there to the some, script, um, yes. <laughs> there are some. Uh, yeah, the, the the Corona press conference was there uh, on Tuesday and was announced that we're going to see much more face masks on the yes. streets in the Netherlands from now on. Yes, we need more masks. So you'll now need a mask again in shops, in libraries, and on college campuses, though not in the classroom. Uh, also for close contact professions like hairdressers and uh, beauty salons, but not for the closest contact profession of all. <laughs> you don't need a mask uh, if you're going to spend time with a sex worker. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, okay. Uh, people are also being asked to work from home for at least half the week. I have no idea how that deviates from the current advice. Uh, and the one and a half meter rule is back, but only as a strong advisory, um, not as an yeah. actual legal requirement, because uh, they would need to get Parliament to change law again. Yeah. And if those measures uh, don't work, uh, Witter said we'll have to sit down and have a really strong talk with the virus about what it's, uh, <laughs> no, what it's, what it's doing. Because you know, I, I don't really know. He says there's going to be stronger measures, but he hasn't really said specifically what he what he's got in mind. Yeah, which is something that, as I said, uh, we definitely need. We need yeah. perspective, and we need yeah. to know what's happening. And uh, you know, if you know what's going to be implemented and which rules are and which restrictions you're going to need to face then maybe people will change their behavior and uh, stop spreading uh, the virus um, yeah. in the way yeah, they the, do yeah and if the infuriating thing is that you know we had after the first lockdown I thought was actually handled really quite well in the sense that they had a perspective they had a roadmap for three or yeah. four months and they stuck to it and the infections went down and until about sort of September it worked pretty well and people followed it people observed the rules so why they can't reapply that lesson again the lesson of their own success just baffles me yes um, but also as I mentioned before we move on the, my favourite thing from the whole press conference which yeah. was the assistance dogs They're the assistance dogs assistance dogs They're they need to wear face masks dogs. They might do, but no, really? they're going to be assistant for people who are scared of needles. They're going to have assistance dogs at the oh. vaccine centres uh, to, oh. to 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 help them to assist them somehow. Oh, that's very nice. I think it's kind of a... Yeah, yeah, I I stopped watching the press conferences (laughs) a very long time ago. I just followed the mystery tweeter of Dutch News to to see what's happening and for the sassy comments. But I missed uh, the, the, the assistance dogs, but that's really nice. That's very nice news, yeah. Yeah, so let's hope that helps a few more people get the vaccine. I don't know if you do. I don't know what happens if they're scared of dogs. (laughs) Imagine being scared of dogs and needles. Yeah, then we we need a um, yeah we we need a walrus. We need a a, an assistant (laughs) walrus. Assistant walrus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna have to get your vaccine in Den Helder. I don't think that's also very. uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's probably not going to make people enthusiastic about getting a vaccine indeed but you know a, a, an, an assistant walrus is my uh, an assistant admiral walrus yeah that's uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's my proposal that's your proposal good but uh, everything's okay because there's plenty of face masks uh, to go around right yes um, uh, we all need to wear masks again and luckily the health ministry has ordered a century's worth
for surgical masks and enough high quality FFP2 masks for 50 years. That's 848 million altogether. Uh, But there is a problem because they can't give them away because uh, it might disrupt the market. And uh, yeah. shops would be upset; they wouldn't be able to sell them. And also, the European Union apparently would see it as uh, unlicensed uh, state, state aid. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, we already have this enormous number of uh, uh, this, you know, these uh, very high inflation rates. So yeah, we don't want to disrupt the economy even more than we already do. Yeah. Um, but uh, so uh, we can poop for 10 years and we can wear face masks for 50 years. Yes. Theoretically, uh, at least. Theoretically, we could, except, of course, they have sell-by dates. They only last for, uh, I think, uh, five years maximum. And then you have to throw them away. And even though the health ministry has already spent tens of millions of taxpayers' money, they now face having to destroy the masks uh, because uh, they, they won't be able to sell them in time uh, before the, the expiry date uh, comes around. But it's not all bad news. Uh, a health ministry spokesman said they would be disposed of in a sustainable manner. So okay, maybe that could help us achieve our green energy targets. By just, <laughs> by just, Are they uh, going to fly of... to Edinburgh and then throw it out of a uh, out of a out of a plane in the Probably. ocean or yeah, something into, else into the, into the middle of the ocean? Yeah. Uh, Trial reported this week as well. The health ministry has also had to destroy 4.1 million rapid testing kits because they're also beyond their use by date. So, Could it be that these producers are just putting a random date on these packages in order to, uh, you know, have governments destroy them and then order order new batches? Or who knows? Uh, do they this really is, have this a, sound uh, like a conspiracy theory? Hmm, yeah, but, yeah. Maybe I should uh, talk to Cherubo <laughs> Dev then. I think. Um, but everything's okay because we're all getting booster vaccines, right? Uh, eventually. Yeah, uh, the Health Council this week recommended that everyone over 60 should get a third dose of either the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine. That's because there are signs that vaccine effectiveness is starting to wane in older people, um, but they're not actually going to get the jabs until December, and even then it's only the over 80s at that point, uh, because the KK Day Network say that's as fast as they can go. Because they have to, okay. um, you know, they, they, they have to plan them uh, on the schedule. They have to have a meeting with uh, with dozens of experts. Uh, everyone has to get an invitation sent out. They have to put it in their agenda. They have to make sure it doesn't clash with their cousin's birthday, and then they can go to the vaccination center. What a uh, load so- of crap! I mean, I just I was just <laughs> looking at the Corona dashboard, and they have so much vaccines uh, on the shelves. Uh, you know, ready to go. They have they have millions and millions still. So that's m- much more than they need, in, at least for the for the first uh, uh, batch of vaccines. Um, and yeah, how how long can it take to to send someone a uh, a letter? And also, uh, we already had these vaccine tents, right? You can just set them up again. But yeah, okay. Oh, but December. Okay, yeah, that's uh, that's a couple December's of weeks. December's a month of away. Yeah, okay, so. yeah, yeah. In my uh, okay, yeah, I I thought you it was. You still uh, think it was uh, it was summer? But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the rest of the over sixties will be offered the third jab from January, and the ministry says eventually hmm. everyone who wants a booster will get one. Okay. Yeah, but they won't go for symbolic third pricks. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, pretty strange because in other countries they're already doing it for exactly, for, uh, yeah. for quite a long time, and uh, yeah, again the Netherlands is uh, uh, lacking. This is plodding on the uh, yeah. old vaccination front. 
news from the formation. There's no news. Uh, as always, the four parties that are negotiating a new cabinet keep their mouths firmly shut, as well as uh, the two people who are leading the talks, informateurs Johan Remkes and Social Affairs Minister Wouter Kolmees. NRC writes that while we hear nothing out of the mouths of the negotiators, we can understand what they're talking about based on the guests they invite uh, for their input. Mm. And this week, senior public servants of the tax office, the uh, UWV, which is the uh, agency that uh, deals with unemployment and yeah. uh, stuff like that, um, yeah. and, and, and jobs in general, I think. Yeah. Uh, and also uh, people from the immigration service were invited. So yeah, we can reasonably guess that they're talking about these topics now. Yeah. And also in a rare incident of open-heartedness, Prime Minister Mark Rutte revealed this week that they had talked about climate change and how the Netherlands uh, can tackle it. And he said this uh, in uh, uh, Glasgow. Yeah, Glasgow it was. Glasgow, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, not yeah, in Edinburgh. Like, there was only one person in Edinburgh. <laughs> he wasn't being interviewed by Wolf Blitzer for CNN <laughs> in Edinburgh. Um, so yes, yeah. he was saying, yeah, he was, he was banging his... Um, and he was banging his fist on the lectern and saying we need action on climate change, which uh, was, was quite a startling thing for Rutter to say. Although he, he was, he was, he, was, he definitely had his international Rutter hat on there. Yeah, he? yeah, which is always Rutter a hat. different yeah. Rutter than we yes. have in the Hague. And yeah. uh, uh, there's also another uh, Rutter that's the VVD Rutter when he is uh, talking as party leader yeah. on uh, Thursday and uh, today on Friday. The four party leaders uh, do not meet in the logement in the Hague, but in Groningen. Uh, where they will talk with people uh, affected by earthquakes caused by gas extraction in the province. So yeah, that's also uh, uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit of a symbolic talk because you know they they will not fix their problems uh, in that meeting, but they at least want to signal that they are uh, 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 listening and that they yeah. are uh, uh, taking it into account. And also there is a parliamentary um, uh, uh, inquiry coming up, of course, on this yes. specific topic. So yeah, that's definitely something that they can also politically speaking can no longer ignore. So yeah, that's uh, it's all not very surprising that they're dealing with these topics. Um, yeah, and last week we uh, mentioned that the record for longest cabinet formation in the Netherlands was broken. Uh, and um, Tweede Kamer chair Vera Bergkamp is also getting impatient because she wrote a letter to the negotiators urging them to make haste with the formation process. And she says that also uh, she receives signals from people in the country that they are also starting to become impatient, which is a little bit strange because, you know, who is the... Uh, 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 who has the leading role in the formation process that yes. is the Tweede Kamer the chair of uh, parliament yeah and she is of course the the, the, the primus inter pares of that uh, institute so yeah, yeah there's uh, um, it's a little bit strange that she is uh, writing this she's the one who uh, who can decide it or at least has yeah. a lot of influence in it I mean she, um, she could um, you know um, call them into parliament to explain where they got to or something like yeah, that yeah, yeah for example yeah yeah, yeah. So. Um, and also, um, ChristenUnie leader Gert-Jan Segers uh, was also kind of surprised by that letter. He pointed out that they uh, had only started uh, three weeks ago and you can't really expect that they, uh, you know, uh, 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 finalize negotiations in such a short amount. I mean, it's been seven months since elections, but, you know, the actual negotiations have started only a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, he yeah. has a point there, I think. Um, and, uh, yeah, as I remember, the four parties uh, that make up the previous cabinet are currently in negotiation to make a restart. Uh, yeah, I said seven months, but it's actually eight months after the no, general eight months after the election. Yeah. 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 As you say, yes, they spent the first seven months just uh, agreeing which parties should be in government, and they now decided it should just be the same ones. 
Yeah, and also I was also thinking. Um, r- remember, we had these uh, informateurs, right? We had uh, yeah. uh, uh, um, uh, Marietta Hamer, and uh, who else did we get? And they always said that they were talking about, you know, uh, subs- substance, and they were yeah. they're, they're talking about um, the topics that mattered. But yeah. uh, uh, if you read every reconstruction in every newspaper, then and also uh, if you if you if you read the uh, report of uh, Marietta Hammer, which she wrote after she uh, quit as um, uh, uh, informateur, she wrote that they've only been talking about uh, the image of 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 of, uh, of the party leaders and uh, how they appeared in the media and yeah. uh, uh, about the latest scandals. So yeah, I think it's also we should also be critical on the informateurs, I think, for not leading these negotiations or at least the preliminary talks for the negotiations um, well enough, I think, because if they would have done their job, then uh, they they should have just said, no, we're not going to talk about the latest scandal which we had in the newspapers in the past week. We're going to talk about how we're going to um, form a cabinet. the actual issues, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, to deal with the issues. Yeah, I I think there has been clearly an awful lot of time wasting, given that we're only just starting with the actual substantial negotiations now. And even then, they sort of said, Johan Rimkes has uh, described it as saying that, that they're going to come up with, a, with an outline deal first and then thrash out the detail later. Yeah. Which makes you think, you know, what have you been doing in, in all that time beforehand then? Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, not it's much, not, not much. Not I much. have to say that since uh, Johan Remkes took over, uh, uh, things are getting really... We, we see progress in, the, in this negotiation. So, uh, yeah, I think we just should have called... Johan Remkes much earlier, I yeah, think. <laughs> maybe. But, uh, yeah, well, I'll have to see how quickly the... Uh, whether they make uh, fast progress now and whether we do indeed get a cabinet before Christmas. Uh, uh, yeah, Rutte said that he wants a uh, a cabinet, a, a coalition, before the Germans get one. So, yeah, that's, right. uh, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> very yeah, ambitious, I think. Pretty ambitious, given that uh, our election was only, what, five months before theirs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And the European Commission has also um, yeah, put a bit of a spanner in the works, hasn't it, uh, with the yeah. formation talks? Yeah. You could say that. Uh, yeah. Finance Minister and CDA leader Rob Koekstra announced that the Netherlands has to do more to reduce tax breaks on mortgages um, and for freelancers in order to qualify for EU recovery fundings. Mm. Uh, both uh, tax breaks have already been trimmed down, but Brussels is still uh, not satisfied and will look critically at reforms which deal with the challenges facing the Dutch labour and housing market. Markets. The tax-free allowance for freelancers, currently around 7,000 euros, is being reduced, but is still too high in the eyes of, uh, of Brussels. And the Netherlands is also too generous if it comes to mortgage interest deductions, uh, the so-called hypothekrenteaftrek, the H-word. Yes. Uh, and that's uh, a very yeah, highly politically sensitive uh, topic. So yeah, that's <laughs> definitely also something that needs to be addressed on the negotiation tables of the formation. Yeah. Um, EU countries can only claim recovery money if they commit to economic reforms and that's a condition the Netherlands fought for when the funds were being set up and Makrutte clearly had an eye on Italy and Greece yeah. and Madrid and not so much on the Netherlands so it's a little bit he shot himself a little bit in the He's foot t- here t- and also bit. in yeah, another yeah, foot yeah. and perhaps also in more limbs but um, <laughs> yeah it's um, yeah it's uh, ironic isn't it it's uh, yeah yeah yeah. Beautiful uh, uh, irony. yeah it is beautiful yeah. I, I feel like it's uh, quiz time yeah, uh, Paul. Uh, for ten points, which country's finance minister was called repugnant for suggesting Brussels should investigate why countries didn't have enough financial reserves to get through the pandemic? The Netherlands. Correct. 
<laughs> Ten points. So, what did I win? Uh, I don't know. You, you, what, 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 you, you want a big? I want my booster shots with yeah, a walrus a next shot, to me. You'll get in uh, February twenty twenty five. Hopefully, yeah. Frey, I will will stay so long in Den Helder. The Netherlands has never had so many billionaires, according to the latest edition of the quote five hundred rich list. There's not much evidence of social mobility in the last year. Uh, Beer heiress Charlene de Cavallo Heineken tops the list once again. Uh, the daughter of Willem Holleder's most famous hostage, Freddy Heineken, increased her fortune by 11.6% and is now worth $13.5 In second place is a new name, Raymond Foss. The 51-year-old set up property company Sete Pay, which invests mainly in Eastern Europe, and he more than trebled his wealth last year to $5.7 billion. Third and fourth places go to more established names, Fritz Goldschmeding, the founder of personal agency Randstad, and Herita and Inge Vessels of the Volker Vessels Construction Company. The 500 richest people in the Netherlands have combined assets of 219.7 billion, and the threshold for getting on the list is now 110 million euros. And so, that's likely going to go up again next year, doesn't it? Yes, it is uh, by a bit because inflation is at its highest level for 20 years. So everyone's getting richer on paper, but uh, in practice, they're actually getting poorer. Yeah. Uh, it reached 3.4% in October, according to the National Statistics Agency, CBS. The rapidly rising energy prices are mainly responsible, but also the rising cost of petrol, which is kind of related, I guess, and clothes. European Statistics Agency, Eurostat, put the Dutch inflation rate at 3.8% last week, and that's just below the EU average of 4.1%. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's becoming a big problem, I think, here, right? The uh, the inflation, and uh, it's also a sign that the economy is really in... Uh, we have a disbalance in the economy, and uh, yeah. uh, I, just re- I just listened to a podcast by the uh, NOS on this topic, and they... Uh, explained that uh, it's basically because you know in the in the in the pandemic in the first lockdown um, uh, uh, companies got of course uh, uh, compensation uh, for the money yeah. they lost so uh, uh, there was an economic crisis there was um, a recession and usually that means that people get fired and the uh, uh, and the uh, uh, employee pool the pool of employees and people that are looking for jobs grow but this time that didn't happen and now. Yeah. The economy wants to boom, but there is simply no uh, employees available for that. And yeah, also, you've got for a example, kind of crisis, haven't you? Where, as you say, yeah. you know, people have stayed in their jobs in companies that, in ordinary circumstances, would have gone bust. Uh, but then, because they're they're in those jobs, that they're not looking to move, companies can't cruise and hire. Um, yeah, and it's uh, you, you've got a very low unemployment, and have also a very low number of uh, companies going out of business, which. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, for the individual company and the people who work there is uh, is a tragedy, but it is part of the natural economic cycle, and it means that people can you know are then available to um, uh, to, 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 to take jobs with companies that are growing, and it's yeah. uh, it's suppressing the economic growth. And also, um, uh, if you are as a company able to have enough people to produce uh, 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 enough goods, then you don't have the people to transport it to the places where they, where people actually buy it. And yeah, um, yeah, we've seen that, for example, in the in the United Kingdom as a very uh, extreme case that there were yeah. no no lorry drivers. But you know, in the other parts of the world, that's also a problem. There's simply not. Uh, enough people to transport these goods and that's also of course uh, has an effect on the prices uh, I, I heard in the podcast about a, a person um, in, in a toy store uh, who said that his 
trampolines are going up with 50% by the uh, uh, with the right. prices. I mean, it's, okay. it's, it's ridiculous, right? Why would a trampoline um, become yeah. so much uh, more expensive? Uh, but it's all has to do with the uh, with the world e- economy and the disbalance that we have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. When the cost of fuel goes up, everything goes up because everyone yeah. needs to transport things, yeah. and everyone needs to you know to heat. You know, wonder things like I mean, I was you know, just wondering when uh, the baker's going to put up the price of bread because if you have to heat a bread, oh, up, you need gas. Yeah, for well, that. Uh, uh, <laughs> in Paris, that's also a problem because the yeah. uh, the the price of of uh, of grain is going up, and yeah. that means that the baguettes are also uh, you know increasing. So yeah, it's uh, people really feel it in 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 everyday. Uh, items and yeah. uh, 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 if it's gas or is it food, if it's clothes, then 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 you, then you really feel it. And um, yeah, uh, hopefully the uh, financial institutions, the uh, European Bank and uh, European Central Bank and whatnot, are have a plan to deal with it. Uh, we'll see. This edition of the Dutch News podcast is brought to you in association with MyDutchMortgage.online. Living in the Netherlands can be great, but it's not always cheap and property prices are rising fast. And life can get pretty hectic when you're trying to juggle house hunting with work and family. My Dutch Mortgage Online makes finding the right mortgage as convenient and affordable as possible. And it's all in plain English. With MyDutchMortgage.online, you can arrange a mortgage entirely online, in English, and in six simple steps. And we should also mention it's a no mortgage, no fee deal. Seriously? Yes, you pay a one-off low fixed fee of 1950 euros and only once they've helped you secure your mortgage. So there it is. Log on to mydutchmortgage.online and start arranging your mortgage today. This is also the moment when we say a big thank you to all the donors who keep this podcast going. There are over a hundred of you now and we really couldn't do it without you. So if you'd like to join our band of socially distancing patrons before our expiry date runs out and we have to be shredded by Hugo de Jonge, go <laughs> log on to patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash dutchnewsnl. Amsterdam City Council plans to stop investors buying up cheaper properties and renting them out when new legislation comes into force in January. New housing chief Jacob Wedemeyer plans to bring in the ban as soon as possible for the entire city. It would mean investors could not buy any property for less than 512,000 euros without a commitment to live in it for at least four years. Yeah, so that's basically a garage or, or something, right? Yeah, in Amsterdam with these in Amsterdam current prices. Less than that these days. Yeah, Uh, the ban would not apply to property which is already being rented out as long as that was for at least six months prior to the sale. Property can be rented to close family members or for a short period if the owner is abroad. Some 30% of homes in the Dutch capital are currently in the hands of private investors according to city figures and officials say they are pricing most people out of the market. And Utrecht, Tilburg, The Hague and Groningen are also looking into adopting the new legislation uh, according to the NOS. Uh, Property Investors Association Vastgoed Belang says the proposal will lead to a greater shortage of rental homes, particularly in the mid-market sector. Councils are prioritizing people who want to buy above newcomers on the housing market and people who can't or don't want to buy, the organization said in a reaction. Uh, Wedemeyer said the move is an important step forward, but that more needs to be done. We need the national government to make it possible to limit rents so that more people can find an affordable home, he said. Housing Minister Kaisa Longen is known to be considering several measures to limit rents outside the social housing sector, and these include expanding the point system for determining rents to more properties and changing the way the points are calculated by reducing the weight given to property values. 
so uh, yeah, hopefully um, this will help with the uh, with the housing crisis uh, because you know there. Uh, what was it? I think uh, uh, housing prices have uh, grown with forty percent in the past months. For example, it's 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 really uh, is, yeah, getting it's out of out of control. It is, but again, it's again, it's it's like the coronavirus crisis. You know, they're acting now far far too yeah. late. You know, once the yeah. damage has already been done. And, you know, and these yeah. prices are kind of baked into the housing market now, and it's, you know, nobody wants. Well, the, if you have house prices now dropping, that creates another order of problems where people, you know, then have uh, extra, you know, leftover debts, rescue if they sell their houses. So it's really complicated, yeah. and really, it's much better to try and stop the housing market overheating in the first place. But we've kind of passed that point now, um, and it's really tangled. And of course, I think fiscal belong have a point in the way saying that you still need a rental sector and you still need houses yeah. available for rent because people need to you know, not everyone is available wants to buy or has the resources to but at the same time especially just, now the hypothecary and the aftrack is uh, you know uh, getting reduced <laughs> yeah it's getting scrapped which again is a kind of a ridiculous thing and contributed to the uh, to the last time the house house prices overheated because you were getting you know you were getting tax breaks on your mortgages but you're also uh, pay taking out mortgages on an interest-only basis, so you never actually paid them off. So you didn't really own your house. The bank effectively yeah. still still owned your house. You never actually paid your mortgage off, and yet at the same time you're getting a tax discount from the government. And I mean, the people that you know were, 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 were taking out mortgage, mortgages that they couldn't really afford um, until, or they, they shouldn't have been able to afford um, at, at 100% mortgages. Um, that they, yeah, that they, they, they never paid off, and uh, it meant that the, the prices just kept spiraling upwards. Ajax are through to the knockout stages of the Champions League with two games to spare after beating Dortmund 2-1 in Germany on Wednesday night. It's the first time the club have won their first four games in the group stage, but Ayrton. But Erik ten Hag wasn't entirely happy with this team's performance. Dortmund went 1-0 up despite playing with 10 men following the early sending off of Mats Hummels, and it took until the 72nd minute for Ajax to equalise through Dusan Tadic before the prolific Sebastian Allaire and Davy Klaassen sealed the win. Ten Hag said Ajax had allowed Dortmund to dominate the first half and gave away possession too easily, but in the second half they were more disciplined and stuck to the task, and in the end ten Hag declared himself to be a very satisfied coach. And meanwhile, uh, Rotterdam's mayor is very dissatisfied with uh, Feyenoord. No, with some Feyenoord supporters. Yeah, this comes after 60 people were arrested uh, again in Germany on Thursday uh, ahead of Feyenoord's match with Union Berlin, including two people, uh, two geniuses uh, who were arrested for defacing the Berlin Wall. Uh, Wait, Abutabe. didn't they just torn that thing down a couple of decades ago? <laughs> uh, yeah, they haven't quite finished uh, Ronald Reagan's uh, task here, mm. but uh, some bits of it are still uh, standing, uh, left standing as monuments. Uh, mm. Ahmed Abu Talib said his patience had run out after a section of the wall was sprayed with graffiti. Two Dutch men aged 21 and 25 were arrested nearby. Uh, it wasn't too hard to spot them because they were wearing balaclavas and thick gloves and they had paint stains on their hands. <laughs> so... So they were literally caught red-handed. This final <laughs> colours are red and white. Red and white-handed, yeah. So, yeah. So, Abu Talib said the offenders had no sense of culture and had violated the historic heart of the city. It is excessive idiocy that has nothing to do with football, the mayor said. Because two weeks ago, members of Union Berlin's board were attacked in a restaurant in Rotterdam by a group of final supporting hooligans as well. So... 
Gordon, can you remind us what happened when Feyenoord had to play against uh, a club in Rome? I can't remember what it was called. And uh, the Feyenoord supporters traveled to the Eternal City. What happened then? They were playing, uh, I think it was, uh, they were playing Aras Roma. Uh, and I think, or possibly Lazio. Uh, yes, they managed to actually get uh, banned from Rome for, um, uh, for for damaging the Spanish Steps. Was it the Spanish Steps? No, it was a it the, was the, a Bernini fountain, fountain? Uh, close to the Spanish Steps. Yeah, they they uh, damaged a, uh, a historical artifact. This yeah. beautiful piece of uh, yeah of art by uh, Bernini himself. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, final supporters abroad. They uh, tend not to behave themselves very well. And yeah. uh, I wonder if these final supporters supporters were banned from Rome had thrown a um, a trevi fountain because you know if you do that then uh, you are destined to come back to the to to Rome Um, what happened then do do we have a uh, some sort of uh, 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 error in the time space continuum because you know one hand they are banned from Rome and the other hand they have to come back they have to go back yeah yeah Yeah. or or maybe uh, yeah or or, or maybe uh, uh, Volker Hoekstra has to go back and reclaim the coin for them (laughs) And ask the Italians why they haven't spent it on the, you know, the, on the coronavirus pandemic, or wine and uh, women, right? Or, yeah, no, that was someone else. Snap some women. No, that was Dyson Bloom. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's it's just very dismaying to see these you know final hooligans, which obviously is, is not all final supporters, but it's it's too many you know, going around. Yeah, and just it's too many going around Europe and just trashing the place's culture. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's not edifying. It's a shame. Yeah, yeah. And Daphne Schippers, uh, former coach, is embroiled in a uh, in a scandal, right? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Rainer Ryder is being investigated by the U.S. Center for Safe Sport, and that's after several complaints of sexual misconduct were made against him. Uh, Ryder was employed by the Dutch Athletics Union between 2014 and 2018, and that was kind of uh, Daphne Schippers' golden period. Uh, she won two world titles at 200 meters and an Olympic silver medal and uh, a couple of European uh, gold medals as well. More recently, the 51-year-old uh, has coached Andre de Grasse, who won the men's 200 meters at this year's Summer Olympics in Tokyo, and the world men's triple jump champion Christian Taylor. UK Athletics has told two top British sprinters, Adam Jamili and Daryl Knighter, to suspend all contact with Ryder or they'll lose their national lottery funding uh, until uh, the investigation has been completed. Ryder himself told The Guardian, who broke the story, that he knew nothing about the allegations, while his lawyer, Ryan Stevens, questioned the timing of what he called unproven attacks on Rainer's reputation. The technical director of the Athletic Uni, Ad Roskam, said he was aware that an investigation was ongoing, but there'd been no reports of anything untoward during Reiner's spell in the Netherlands. Uh, yeah, pretty serious allegations, and uh, very yeah, from a very you know a really top coach with a uh, you know, very impressive track record, and for this to start coming out now, it's potentially absolutely dynamite. The new ferry company Holland Norway Lines is planning to launch a service between Eemshaven in Groningen and Kristiansand in Norway in April next year. The ferry MS Romantica will have room for 2,500 passengers as well as vehicle and freight transport, plus conference facilities and restaurants, shops and other entertainment. The trip will take 18 hours and the ferry will leave Eemshaven at 3 p.m., arriving in Norway at 9 a.m. the next the next day. HNL was formed last year and says on its website it aims to become Holland's largest shli- shipping line for international passenger goods and freight between Holland and Norway. Yeah, that's logical that because be they're the only one. <laughs> 
and they want uh, also want to become one of Europe's leading short sea uh, shipping lines. Uh, even though I have to say it's not so sh- it's not a short uh, trip, right? I think it fairly hours. is. It's not an ocean-going uh, trip, is it? I mean, the, the the ferry that goes from I imagine to Newcastle that takes seventeen hours as well. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, the pro- project also has the backing of the Provincial Development Fund and the Regional Port Authority. And in 2019, Scottish marine service company TEC Offshore said it planned to launch a ferry service between Ameshaven and uh, Rosyth near Edinburgh, focusing on freight traffic, although passengers and cars would also be carried. Uh, but the plan was dropped in July 2020. Travellers to Scotland now use the overnight service between Eimoud and Newcastle, as you said, uh, yeah. while freight companies drive to the south. Probably to uh, Hook from to Holland, then I think. Yeah, probably from Hook from Holland to Harwich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, um, would you go to uh, to Norway? I mean, you're probably used to uh, a boat trip of seventeen I, hours. I've, I've right? done long and distance road trips uh, before. I think it's quite pleasant actually. I mean, especially yeah. if you do the overnight trip because uh, you know, so seventeen hours means you've got time to actually hang around on board and you get a decent night's sleep as well as the Harwich Hook of Holland service it's seven hours so you hardly have time to to get actual uh, decent nice kip on board You're yeah a bit rushed so it's, it's very pleasant I've, I've yeah also and also the, the 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 departure time and arrival time all also seem very uh, uh, convenient so yeah it's uh, yeah. I mean uh, I would I was I think going to Ameshaven is probably <laughs> it feels longer the trip to Ameshaven feels <laughs> longer does, yeah. than the actual boat trip so the yeah it's, Norway, uh, that's yeah. the only hurdle I have to overcome uh, yeah. in order to uh, to do this trip I think yeah it is it is a fairly kind of uh, open exposed section of the North Sea though I wouldn't fancy doing that uh, journey in like uh, the middle of November. <laughs> yeah yeah especially if you are prone to seasickness then this exactly. is not a uh, yeah. not a good it's idea not, indeed not to be recommended no i think it'd be very nice and then, then you end up in christiansand uh, which is uh, again it's if you want to get to oslo it's a good uh, it's a good three hours uh, drive because i once had to um there used to be a service from christiansand uh, to i think it was to newcastle um, hmm. One time, uh, the, the ferry actually caught fire, and um, I was I was working in Glasgow at the time, and I was ordered by the, my news desk because working with the press association at the time. I had to jump on a plane. I had to race the ferry. I had to jump on a Ryanair flight from Prestwick Airport, to get to Oslo, and then drive down. And it was a long, long way. Uh, yeah, and yes, I just got some... there literally as the ferry pulled in with its funnel all on fire. Oh, really? So that was fun. That's an impressive yeah. sight, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so couldn't they just do a um, a triangular trip? So from uh, Ameshaven to uh, Christiansand and then Edinburgh, uh, what was it? Uh, to, to Newcastle? I guess Newcastle and then... If yeah, there's enough takers. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's all that we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast.dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. And you can also back us now on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl and earn yourself a free shout out on the podcast. My thanks to uh, question mark, question mark, question mark. I'm question mark, question mark, question mark. And we'll be back, back next week. Are you just going to leave it like that? Yeah, people don't listen to this part. No, I don't, that's true.